everyone. Stanny here, back again here with Abe. Welcome everyone back hey to guys. episode two. We're here for a financial way. So as you all are familiar with the whole layout of the land, as we discussed in episode one, we're really just trying to discuss a whole bunch of different financial stories, um, you know, things you find online, you know, very common stories or or topics that kind of float around that maybe people aren't so familiar with or so, you know, that, that aren't discussed a whole lot. And the biggest thing we want to make sure we cover is, is to give a general basis. Cause again, if you didn't hear episode one, please go tune in right now. But me and Abe, fresh college graduates, we're both working at the moment. So we're still not a hundred percent experienced in the whole world of finance, but we do have a very good basis of what we think we know. And we'd love so much to just make sure we can kind of spread the word, help people as ourselves, just be individually and financially literate. You know, it doesn't matter if you're 21, 22, 19 or whatever. I mean, the whole idea is for you to be having a good basis of finance. And that's unfortunately a big pain point for a lot of people here in the U.S. is just being financially set. So we want to make sure we can kind of help little by little as much as we can and make sure people can kind of, you know, be familiar with the whole setup of of future and retirement and things of that nature. So any uh, any intro stuff, Abe, that you want to cover or anything like that before we dive deep into our first story? No, nah, man, I think it was, you covered it all. I think it's well said that financial literacy is a big thing for us. Uh, and we want to be able to help out everybody, to, especially our age, to have a better understanding of financial literacy to be uh, financially free in the future. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you got it pretty well. Yeah, financial freedom is really important. But again, we're not trying to push anything, any propaganda or agendas or whatever. We just want you guys to all be familiar with just finance in general. So um, mm-hmm. as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be taking stories from online. This first story is going to be coming from Reddit from a user called Gray Must. We take a lot of our stories from just different subreddit pages. Um, this one's particularly coming from personal finance. So the story is labeled, would I be house poor with spending this amount on a house? And it starts as, would I be house poor if I got a $300,000 house, live in the Southwest US, have a 401k with 85k in it, I make 95,000 annually pre-tax, I take home 5k on average, which fluctuates based on overtime, no debt, have 156,000 on money saved, 94 of that is in checking, 50k of that is in SoFi saving, 12k of that is in a Vanguard low ETF. So I'm saying, so so I'm saving money. I can take from accounts if need be for a down payment as 156000 in different forms. I moved back in with my parents early this month because as everyone's aware, the interest rates are crazy. So living with them will let me save some. And I was tired of renting a one bed bath at the, like 1300 I pay 1K off of CC every month, credit card. And uh, also if I follow that 30% rule, that means I shouldn't spend more than 1500 on rent. Does that include everything like utilities and property tax? Because if so, I'm looking at houses in not really liking. Yeah, he kind of messed up at the end there. But uh, yeah, yeah um, that's that's a lot to kind of throw down. This person definitely sounded like they were just kind of not even compiling a story, but rather just throwing their whole financial basis and, and putting it onto a page and kind of just like, here, let's throw everything we can and essentially make sure that uh, the whole audience or the readers or whoever can get a good understanding of finance, which to me, I, I read a lot of stories on this page. And I think this is actually a really good way to kind of go about it just because a lot of people 
are so different in their finances, regardless of you make 95,000 or 100,000 or whatever, everyone's life is going to be so significantly different that you don't know how that money will be split up, especially when you're talking about savings, which will be a really good segue for the next story. But specifically attaining to the story, I mean, that that's a lot of money, Abe. <laughs> I don't know about you. What do you think? Uh, yeah, a $300,000 house. So technically, this is a different region, of course, in the US. But if you're looking at like, let's say around here, uh, in like Illinois, uh, the median range for a house is about $400,000. So he's actually looking at something below the median. Obviously, it's a different region. But uh, it's not too bad. And honestly, with 100k or 95k, he can definitely afford it. So the question now is, should he stay with his parents and keep saving his money? He doesn't have to pay much because he's with his parents. Or should he just go and buy a house? For me, I like assets. I like having assets, and I would definitely go for the house. Uh, it was a bit vague for him to say just the, the the region like that, like Southwest states. There's a lot of Southwest states, but if you're talking about like let's say a three hundred thousand dollar house, you're looking looking at like a conventional loan, let's say twenty percent on a three hundred k house. That's sixty k plus. He doesn't have any closing costs because buyers usually don't have to pay anything. It's usually the seller who has to pay the cost. So you're talking like maybe like lawyer costs and that's going to be like maybe another 500 uh 500k uh $500. So it's not too bad and the thing is if he's single and he's going to be living alone I would just rent the rooms. So if he has if he gets like a a big house and he just has no one with him I would rent those rooms out and just make some extra money. So I actually looked up uh an example here and it was a house in Nevada. It was a four-bedroom, two-bathroom house. Everything was brand new. It seemed like it was just uh, rehabbed and remodeled. Definitely below value because I think this house should be around 400 k and they're asking for like 300 something around that. Uh, and it's a four-bedroom, two-bathroom. So if he lives in one bedroom and he rents out the other three bedrooms, uh, I also looked up the average rent and it was about $500. So if he rents the other three bedrooms out for 500 each, that's 1500 right there. Uh, and his monthly will probably be somewhere around $1,800. So that would include your uh, HOA, if there is any, your mortgage and the principal, uh, any kind of costs like insurance, taxes, all that stuff. And then you have to add $300 of utilities. So you're looking at like maybe $2,100 monthly for that house, including everything. Uh, and 1500 of it is going to come from people that he's going to rent the house to. So he's really going to have to only pay $600 a month. And the nice thing about it is, I think right now is really the time to buy because everybody, everybody doesn't want to buy right now because of the interest rates. That's awesome. But you have more room for negotiation with sellers because sellers just want to sell. Like they don't want to, keep the house because they have to keep paying insurance, taxes, all these things, utilities. So you have better room for negotiation. So you can negotiate $30,000, $40,000 on the house today, less, and then get that house in a couple of years when the interest rates are below, refinance, and you're all good. So to me, I would just do this, the example I just said, where you rent out the three bedrooms, live in one, and you only have to pay $600 a month you get an asset in your asset column 
in a couple of years, just refinance that house, get the lower interest rate, and you got it for a great deal in a couple of years as well. If you want to sell, you just made a ton of money easily. So that's that's my take on it. No, yeah, I I agree so much with a lot of the points you've mentioned, Abe. I mean, comparing it to where we live, it feels like a great price. Again, geographically, you're going to change, you know, based on preference. You're going to you're going to base, um, you know, where you're going to live for most of the things. If you want to raise a family here, if you have, you know, family obligations, if you have, I don't know, a wife or a girlfriend or whatever, maybe, or if you have a job that's, you know pending you for, you for you to stay here. I mean, there's a whole lot of multitude of reasons that we're not getting from this story that maybe might be worth mentioning. But as we kind of discussed, I mean, living with your parents, you save a lot of money. And I'm assuming that this that, that's what maybe this person was able to do even before they started renting at that one bed mm-hmm. bath at 1300 So, I mean, the whole investing in where these funds and money is a whole different story. I mean, to have 94000 in checking, that's within its own reality, completely absurd. It's a lot. And it's also absurd to be having that much. This -hmm. person clearly doesn't have a whole lot of debt. So they could be obviously investing in a multitude of things right now that are way more significantly important. We don't know anything about any whereabouts of a a 401k, a pension. We, We don't know anything in terms of employer contributions or a Roth or anything like that. So obviously we'd have to make that safe assumption that they don't have anything set up for it which again brings us to that point. Why aren't they? Why why don't they consider that? It helps a lot for a multitude of reasons, specifically for retirement purposes. But even to kind of backtrack everything we just mentioned, I just want to make sure, again, disclaimer, we're no financial advisor. This is mere self for educational purposes. We just kind of want to spread the story of understanding and learning. But again, at least in my personal scenario, having that kind of lump sum of money is absurd especially not to have it continuously grow year over year, whether it be in some short-term security, like a CD or a high yield savings account or whatever it may be. I mean, that would be a safe choice to have it at least grow something rather than just having it completely lose value from just inflation rate alone. I mean, nothing's combating that. So for you to have that amount of money just sitting there idly while not collecting any interest whatsoever is not only detrimental, but it's just such a waste of having that amount of money, you know, like, come on, put it to work. This guy clearly wants to have down payment for a house, then put it, put it into a CD, you know, put it into some mm-hmm. short term security for at least it could grow something, whether it be a couple hundred or maybe even a thousand or 2000, however much that APR will generate over that period of time. I mean, it's better than nothing. And, and at the same time as well, like, you know, no debt. That's, that's a great thing. I don't know what the exact statistic is for Americans here in the U.S., but like so many people have debt, whether it be based on student loans, car payments, home, I mean, credit card stuff, literally anything. The the fact that you have no debt means you can have so much money saved up, which makes sense as to why they have so much money here saved up in this scenario. But you should at least I be thought like, you had credit card like, debt. Um, 1000, but they pay it off every month. So I, I mean, Mm. I guess you can technically call it that even though you're paying it off completely and it doesn't really necessarily become, it's like another expense. If you think about it, you know, like, it's like if you were to just be paying it off, like nothing, and it it really wouldn't technically be considered debt because you're not really accruing any interest off of it. Um, there's no like interest adding on top of the principal. So like, you're not 
really having to focus anything in terms of just paying simply that a thousand. That's it. So for me, I think this is a no brainer. This person clearly has a lot of money, way more for a 20% down payment, and they make 95,000 annually pre-tax. So by basic logic, I would assume, Abe, I, I think it's a pretty safe assumption. If you're making that amount of money, you at least have a good job that potentially has growth. You know, I would at least assume that has growth, that has potential stability if they're getting paid that much. Um, I guess See, another safe I think the problem that, is he's too calculative. Like he he's just trying to calculate every single move and he's trying to play the safe way. While the safe way, yes, you take less risk, but higher risk, higher reward, man. That's that's how I I see it. So when I see this much basically unused money that's just yeah, sleeping, like that, anything. that's a loan. Like if you don't even factor in a house, you just look at that 94K in checking, like, or I get that outraged. savings, like that, that, yeah, that, that's a red flag within itself. But moral of the story is real estate and owning a house. And here in this perspective, you can easily put down what 20% of just that $300,000 house, 60 grand right there out of yeah. the 150 you have, like. Not only do you have more of a comfort, a very comfortable retirement, um, or not retirement, sorry, uh, emergency fund for whatever purpose, but you have so much money that could also be adding on top of that just because you have no debt. You have a pretty good take home, especially for what's being currently rented at 1300 And I mean, like, I don't know. Like, to me, this sounds like a no-brainer, but that's another common story we're going to be listening in finance, Abe, that... People just either overcalculate and they think so much of the nitty gritty that their calculations just kind of make them super anxious and, and very paranoid of like, oh, but this is here. This is kind of coming. What if I don't expect this? What if I don't fall under a, a guideline of 30%? I mean, those are just guidelines. They're not like you don't have to follow them 100%. There's, there's many instances in which you can break a lot of these principles that you constantly hear online of like a 50, 20, 30 rule. So for those who aren't aware, 50, 30, 20 rule is essentially spending 50% of your monthly income on necessities, things you drastically need for survival. For example, food, rent, utilities, uh, car, gas, you know, things that you necessarily need to survive. 30% would basically kind of come down to you know, things that you want, you know, more luxury kind of items. If you want to save up for vacation, whatever you allocate of that 30% would go into it. But essentially, it's more of a luxury kind of spent, whereas that 20% comes down to saving. And saving could be as broad as literally putting it into a savings account or putting it into a retirement account. I mean, those are both forms of saving, yet, you know, there's pros and cons to both. But the idea is that a lot of people abide by these rules, but Life really isn't that simple where you can just have a simple guideline and kind of allocate. Like budgeting is really helpful in which it can really demonstrate where your money's going. But just because everyone's financial situation is different, it's good to have that guideline, but you don't have to follow it to the to the very like exact decimal, you know? Like if you go over 30%, you go over 30%. Okay, yeah. I mean, you if just it makes don't sense, happen yeah. to go. Yeah, like, it, again, it's very dependent on your own situation. But for the most part, like, you really want to focus on your own situation, analyze it, break it down, and kind of just understand where to go. There was a really cool quote I saw where it was like, when you go into like, I don't know, like, let, let's say you're a pilot, right? 
and for some reason your your plane's kind of like just it stalls and it's just nose diving straight down right the first thing mm -hmm. you you don't do is start clicking a bunch of buttons to get it to work you, you have to analyze you have to look at the situation and you kind of have to break it down and it's a pretty goofy scenario but that's for the most part that's kind of yeah i mean like you kind of have to break it down in what you're doing and then understand like okay if this is happening, you know, what could you do as a result to make it better? And you don't just start randomly doing stuff and kind of going from it. So I have a lot of respect for this person having a lot of savings, but then to counteract that respect, I mean, that money is not really being, it's, it's not growing a whole lot. So it, it kind I of hurts them to some just degree. looked it up. It, the percentage of Americans in debt is around 80%. So eight out of 10 Americans have some form of consumer debt. And the average debt in America is about $40,000, not including mortgage debt. Yeah. So that's just insane. think about that. So this person not having any debt, that's insane. That's amazing. That's super clutch in terms of saving money, growing it, investing it, or keeping it for personal self. Like that, that's insanely helpful. And the fact that this person pays off $1,000 debt off every month is also smart for a lot of reasons but specifically so that they don't have to worry about that interest growing over the principal and then it just becoming a gigantic snowball over time of them not being able to afford. Yeah, because like that. credit card APRs are just gigantic. Yeah, they're insane. Expenses are insane, like 27, 28% sometimes. Like it adds up. Yeah, like, you, you want to make sure not only do you pay the minimum amount each month, but you want to make sure you pay enough, whatever it is, because I'm sure it's probably different for every credit card, that you pay enough to the point where it, that interest doesn't grow month over month. Like you pay enough so that it falls down without having to worry about interest accruing over time. You either See, do that very minimum or you pay it off entirely. Or you can See, pay off my, my philosophy is time. paying it off entirely. I don't believe yeah, that, in keeping any that. money on my credit cards. Uh, yeah. To me, if I let, let's say like I go to a bank and I have credit card debt, they're going to see me as like a weak uh buyer so they're not gonna like want me to be a buyer because they're gonna like think i have too much risk i'm not paying my credit card so how would i pay them so to me i don't spend money unless i actually have it in my like like my bank account and i'm just using my credit card to like boost my credit score that's exactly, the only reason why yeah. i use my credit card exactly or to get those rewards you know how like chase has that like i don't know one plus percent unlimited cash back or whatever that thing is i'm sure a lot oh, of yeah. other banks have different you know Dude, scenarios like that but i like my yeah, points yeah exactly i mean you get free money just by spending literally that's how simple it is so the fact that you should kind of treat your credit card like a debit card like that's that's the mentality you should have around it you shouldn't spend Definitely. money just because you have access to it you should spend money because you need to and in this scenario i i really feel like it's important for people to conceptualize how important spending money and paying it back is just to avoid debt. That's, that's key. That's critical because I see a lot of people and I hear a lot of stories time and time again, where they spent thousands and thousands of dollars of credit card just because they think they have that money. But then when they realize at their, you know, last week for their bank statement that they have to pay off a certain percentage or a certain amount that they realize that they can't afford it because of after all the other expenses that came across in the month. Like that stuff is really detrimental, not only to your credit score, but also just to your mental and like mental and social well-being. Like 
you know, you're going to have to stop spending a whole lot here. If you want to like control it, you're going to feel depressed and you're going to start to feel, you know, anxiety and stress over just the ideas that you can't pay off credit card. And it just, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty bad. Cause honestly, like from my clients and from what, like I hear from like my lender friends and all that, it's insane how many people don't qualify for as much as they want because they go and see a house and they're like, okay, we can make it work with our lender. And the lender is like, nothing I can do because you have this much debt, you have this much debt. And to us, we can't give you more than this amount. So we can't give you for the house you want. So they can't buy the house that they really want because they have so much credit card debt and it's just, they pay the minimum payment and that's it. So that's my yeah, take on that it's, one. It's, it's a lot, but this is a, this is a really good example. And I want to keep that, that boat flowing. I want to make sure we can really understand both sides of the coin. Whereas you look at people who have a lot of money and, you know, they're kind of maybe overthinkers about it. Let's turn to another story where maybe it might not be like that. Maybe it's on the completely different, more relatable scale for most home buyers. So still sticking to Reddit, we're going to this new subreddit called Real Estate. And the original poster's name's Blue Bag Burglar. And the title is called Rent Versus Own. So it starts with, my landlord just informed us he will not be renewing our lease in March. We live in one of the most overvalued places in the country, Southwest Florida. My choice now is to either rent a three-bedroom apartment for $3,000 a month or purchase a $400,000 home that will likely need some work for $3,000 a month mortgage. We have three kids, so ideally we would like at least three bedrooms. Buying a home would require us to spend at least half our savings, if not almost all of it. Looking for advice on what Reddit thinks my best options are. So... Do you want to take it and you start us off, Abe? Yeah, I uh, I have a lot of problems with this one, and here's <laughs> why. So, I mean, first of all, it's very vague. I, I like I can't figure out a lot of things because, first of all, how much is her savings? Because that's gonna depend on can she actually afford a down payment on a 400k house or not? Because also, how much does she make up like a year? So, is 3k a lot for them? Are they like pushing it, or can they afford more? especially that they want to live in Southwest Florida, which is insane. Uh, so let's start off from the very beginning. Honestly, why does it have to be Southwest Florida? That's, that's my biggest question because I actually looked it up and Southwest Florida is the most overvalued housing market in the U.S., according to researchers at Florida Atlantic University and Florida International University. So why are you picking, so if you have like a very small budget, why are you picking the area that has like the most overvalued houses and that's the area you want to move to? Uh, to yeah, me, it's... I'd rather buy it. But no, in, yeah. in that region, it makes it makes, it makes it harder, right? What do you think, Danny? No, def no definitely. I mean, I, I think even just the writing kind of gives us a little bit of a, of of a characterization of like each different commenter you know like between the different posters here like you could tell that the first person really knew their finances and they really knew that they wanted to get a point across which is probably why they were smart enough to have not only that kind of job but also that amount of savings um mm -hmm. i mean this person put what five sentences together and then tried <laughs> to get an entire 
advice pool to get advice, whether yeah. or not yeah it advice pool to decide whether or not they're going to be able to afford a house that's literally cutting it close by spending all of their savings one the fact that you have to say that basically all of your savings will be gone is the biggest red flag you haven't that's even fine. lived in the house yet and you're already saying that all of your available liquidity will basically be completely wiped out like that's so bad like what rational thinking do you think that would make sense and again, you have three kids. Do you know how crazy that can get in any scenario? What if a kid gets into, into an accident? What if something happens to a kid in which, I don't know, we, it just requires a lot more of a greater expense rate than what was it's originally expensive. noticed? Yeah, and it just gets way more expensive. And now you have a house mortgage to worry about on top of your kid's expenses. For me, like you mentioned, living in South Florida, what benefit? What benefit do you have to be living in one of the most overvalued places in the country? If you have family there, right in okay. front of the beach, man. Yeah. If if that's what your so-called dream home will be, okay, fine. But you have to at least make your finances work for you. Like it just doesn't make sense for you to be kind of putting it into the scenario where you're going to be really struggling from a financial standpoint and then thinking like, hey, like, okay, let's make it work. Let's have it so our kids could do this. Like a lot of that is going to be completely stripped from you just because you just want to decide to live here. You know, I don't know. It's yeah, to no. me, this is not the move. This is not the move at all. <laughs> See, to me, I think that they have to. So to me, I would move out of that area. But to answer kind of her question, I would rather buy than rent, especially if your monthly overall payment will be lower than 3000 3000 is a lot of money, man. Like, I don't know how much she's making, but to put $3,000 every single month for rent and she's not getting any kind of equity, that's like, that's more than some of like the people that have to put that towards like their mortgage and principal. So it's an insane amount of number. It's an insane number. I even looked up yeah. like the region she was in and a piece of land, half an acre was $9 million. So it just, it that's makes crazy. no sense to be there, but even if she has to buy a house to fix up, as long as they get it at a good price and they're going to add value to that house where it's going to be worth like, I don't know, if they buy it 300, it's going to be worth 400 and they spent another 50K on it so that like they made another 50K. Sure, it's a good deal. Do it. Especially that you can just refinance later with a better interest rate and you have a house and you have equity now instead of making $3,000 for renting. I see that. Uh, I even pulled up an example because I was trying to find the house she uh, was looking at and I actually found it and it does look like it needs a lot of work. So I wouldn't go with that house, but uh, I found something else that was a four bedroom, two bathroom. She would have to put like a $77,000 down payment, uh, like a 2,400 uh, monthly expense with like $400 in utilities. Uh, still better than like paying $3,000. This one, you're only paying $2,800. So to me, that's how I see it. But also it, it makes no viable sense to live in an area where you can't afford to be in that area. Uh, I think even mentally, it might have an effect on them that like they're living in the, oh, the small house with like their small car and like all the other kids and all the other neighbors have like million dollar houses because literally they have a million dollar houses in that area. It's insane. Like these houses look amazing. So I think that's yeah. going to even have a negative effect on them. So I wouldn't do it. 
yeah, I this this guy or girl or whoever's posting clearly is is I guess trying to live here for some reason that's beyond mentioned. And again, that's not that's not at all how you should be living life is for a social status or for appearance purposes that you should be living because you can afford it and also because it fits the criteria of what you need. Again, there is nothing in this comments or post or whatever that mentions the rationale of wanting to live here and i think by those means this just is not capable i mean a lot of people think it's like magic or like some of the craziest stuff you can do to to make more money but honestly it's really just and i don't i really don't like to say it but it's really just like simple bread and butter you know like mm -hmm. you either make a lot more money in your job between you and your significant other, or you cut down massively on other expenses. So you save more or you just live somewhere else. Like unless there's other stuff that maybe we're not getting from this post that maybe is kind of going over our heads. There's honestly not a whole lot that this family could do that. I think that maybe would be viable mm -hmm. for a long-term sustainability. No. So see, this is how I see it though. If I were the one that was going, like if I have to buy in that area for some reason, uh, I have a different mindset than most people, but that's because I'm focused on the money. So if I were to live in that area, it would be my mindset. I'd be like, okay, I want to be like those guys. I want to be as close as those guys. What are those guys doing and how can exactly. I be like them? Exactly. Uh, yeah. I would be like every single day, even if I can't afford that place, I would figure out a way every single month to afford that place just so I can be near those guys and I can learn how they did it and how I can get there. But not everybody is like that. So that's why I'm saying yeah. it would be problematic for their like for their health or like their uh their psychological health to live in that area because they're gonna be seeing those rich people with their rich cars and fancy houses and all these parties and they can't do anything about it. They can't afford it. No, you, you brought up a really great point in terms of like being in a social circle in which you kind of aspire to be. And that we'll definitely talk a lot about networking in future episodes and with future mm -hmm. stories, just simply because networking is very powerful. It gets you very far. It takes you very far. It opens doors that you weren't expect of. I've heard many stories already just from my job alone in terms of people kind of getting through just simply by networking. And that's key. It's very key. Because it doesn't even have to be perfect timing. Like it could literally be after a job posting, completely not even showing up on the internet and you still manage to get a position that, you know, people weren't even supposed to get hired to. So it's like, you know, the power of networking is huge and there's a whole lot of ways to, to kind of go about it. And Abe, you brought up a really great point with, you know, how can you kind of aspire to be in this scenario and how long can you kind of make it go? So again, Definitely. very dependent on the house, very dependent on the people, very dependent on their future, but more of the story is, you know, make sure you do as much as you can to cut down your costs. Make sure you can do as much as you can to really increase your income or find different avenues to increase your income. Because there's a lot of ways. It just takes creativity and it just takes time, you know. So, but that wraps up episode two. Thank you everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed. We'll try to get some more episodes out within the next uh, next couple of weeks. And, you know, really hope you guys enjoy what we kind of been producing and, uh, let us know if anything. Make sure to check out the first terms. episode, guys. Yeah. If you've not listened, please check out episode one. A little bit shorter. Sorry that this kind of ran a little bit long, but we really wanted to cover as much as we can, give as much knowledge as possible, and kind of hope to spread it around. So thanks, everyone. And if Abe, any closing remarks on your end? No, man. Uh, I think it was a very interesting episode. We got a lot of cool points. 
And I hope it was helpful for the listeners that are listening right now. Uh, and then in the, in the future, we'll try to get it where uh, you guys can tell us what stories you want us to talk about, what topics you want us to talk about. Uh, but in the beginning, we're just we're we're head starting it with our stories. But eventually, we'll let you guys know how you can get in contact with us to give us your stories. But I uh, hope you guys enjoyed yeah. and we'll catch you guys in the next one. Yeah, thanks, everyone. We'll get creative with it. We promise. All right. Peace.